I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. David from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. 16 seconds left between the Islanders and the Leafs. Islanders leading it 3-2. Flames and Avalanche get underway in a few minutes here. The Sabres have beaten the Coyotes 5-2. It's good for the Oilers as they're chasing the Coyotes, and Dallas leads Detroit 4-2. Monday night football, two games tonight, both late in the first half, and they're both tied at 7. Green Bay at the Giants and Tennessee at Miami as the Leafs score with 6.4 seconds left. Looks like Morgan Riley in from the line to tap it in, and... I don't think Tavares scored it, but I think he's going to get an assist on the play, which would be his 1,000th career point. Yeah, the Leafs are all off the bench. I'm watching this with no sound, and I haven't seen a replay yet. Maybe he shot it in. I thought Riley came down from the line and uh, shot it in. But so John Tavares does get to 1,000 points against his former team, and it's a huge goal because it sends this one to overtime. I just want to see the replay here before uh, I bring... My guest in, who is a guy I love having on the show. So the Leafs uh, won the faceoff to the right of the goal. Shot went wide. Comes back to the line. Tavares tips it. Yeah, Riley scored it. But, yeah, Tavares was in front and got his stick on it. And then, yeah, the Leafs immediately recognized that there's going to be an assist there for Tavares. Okay. So 1000 there. Uh, $700 million for pitcher Shohei Otani. Uh, this guy pitched in the big leagues. Unfortunately, never quite made that kind of money. Local product, Mike Johnson, former Expo, is back on the show. Mike, how have you been, man? Good, Reed. How are you? Like, that number doesn't even make sense, does it, Mike? Or, or maybe it does. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's a little higher than what I kind of thought, but um, if somebody wants some, some, someone desperate enough, they're, they're going to throw that money towards them. So good for him. Uh, I know you follow the game obviously pretty closely because you played it. You said a little higher than I thought. What were you thinking the number was going to be for Otani? Uh, well, based on like what salaries are right now, probably ten years, five hundred. Um, but yeah, which from from all kind of reports and stuff from come from Toronto, it seems that's about the ballpark that they were in. Um, I guess the the really interesting thing is it's just come out that did you hear that uh, Otoni's deferring yes <laughs> six hundred and whatever eighty million dollars until after the contract after the ten years and he's making two two million a year uh, for the next ten years. 
I, I, I have been reading that. So he's, and apparently he makes around $45 million in endorsements. So he'll still make around $50 million and then have all this uh, deferred sure, I'm sure money. He'll be, I'm sure he'll be okay. <laughs> I, think, I think he'll be all right. Uh, I mean, the as we've seen baseball salaries escalate over the years, um, like as a former player, I'm wondering: Do you think, yeah, good for these guys? Like do people watch them, people cheer for them, buy their merch. They should all make as much as they want. Or do you ever think, like, okay, what is going on? Like, is there a point where how much is too much? I'm just wondering. Um, it's it's really tough to say. Um, I guarantee if you're talking to Connor McDavid, who obviously under salary cap and and playing with like another top world player in dry sidle where they're basically capped at making 12, 11, $10 million a year. I'm sure they'd be fine with, with no salary cap. So I don't know. I mean, it's not like owners are making no money through this. If they weren't making any money or weren't being as successful uh, business people doing what they're doing, they wouldn't have the money to dish out. So obviously Major League Baseball is doing pretty well and the opportunity to, to pay these types, these types of players who is probably, I don't even know if you can classify him as a generational player. It's kind of like an all-time type player in, in what he brings to the table. That type of money, um, I think everybody kind of wins. And that's my my next question for you. I'll, I'll, you partially answered it, but I still want to get your perspective. Like you said, he's not even generational; he's all time. I mean, certainly, like who who can you even mention in the same sentence as Otani? Like, do you have to go back to Babe Ruth, or or where do you go with it? Well, off, off, like the top of my mind, that's the only person you can really compare him to is what Babe Ruth did briefly as a pitcher. Um, obviously, he's more well-known as a, as a hitter and a power hitter and, and putting up home runs um, in his generation. But, yeah, I think Babe Ruth is probably doing or probably did more hitting-wise than Otani, but Otani's doing quite a bit more from the mound, even though he's been now into a second Tommy John and hopefully recovers from that and has a successful eight year career or however long after his contract ends to, to pitch on the mound. But like even what he, what he's done with, uh, with the bat, I believe he's now won two MVPs and a league in home runs and RBIs. And, but, uh, but no, obviously I'm not even really surprised he went to the Dodgers based on what they did last year. And they kind of went all in waiting for the opportunity for him to become a free agent. So, yeah, like I said, at the end, at the end of the day, like good for him. And, um, yeah, it's, it's up to people's opinions as to how much is enough as far as, as far as money, but if they're willing to pay it. I'm not going to turn it down. Well, yeah, for sure, and and, and he's not going to pitch this year. I should add too, because of the uh, uh, the surgery, right? So, but yeah, it, it's 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 pretty uh, it's pretty incredible. Mike, thank you. Before I let you go, you mentioned McDavid and Drysdale, and I know you you watch all sports, not just baseball. Uh, quite a ride with the Oilers already this season, eh? We're not even a third of the way through the regular season. <laughs> yeah, 
it, uh, it was hard to keep the TV on there early on this season, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, doing much better. Mike, always love having you on the show. Uh, I know we'll talk again in the future. Always enjoy your perspective, man. Hope to see you soon. All right, Reed. Thanks for having me. That is Mike Johnson hopping on, former Expos pitcher, Edmonton product, and, uh, yeah, his perspective on uh, Otani and that $70 million. Buck. 780-496-0063. Kellen, what do we have? Mm, got uh, texts coming in on what people would do with $70 million in a, a, a year if that was their salary. Oh, sure. We could do a couple of those. <laughs> uh, Cletus texts in and says, if I made $70 million a year, I would buy a KFC franchise and a liquor store, and I would eat chick- chicken <laughs> and drink beer until the Oilers what? won the cup. Well, or I was too fat to waddle to the fridge. Oh, my. <laughs> that deserves an Inside Sports Can Ham t-shirt. Yes. Supplied by Elite Promotional Marketing. Probably an extra large, judging by the tone of that text. Uh, yes. Uh, all the, of the he would large. buy a, a KFC and a liquor store. Mm. Yakushev texts in and says, Oh, Yakushev! Uh, not a good move by Otani deferring all that money. In about 10 years from now, his $70 million will be worth about $7 million. So the actual thinking that's going to uh, decrease in value as the oh I see yeah I don't know if if it's deferred if uh, though somehow the, he gets interest on it I'm I'm not sure or exactly what happens but he'll he'll still have a lot of money I would guess mm-hmm. but fair enough Yakushev with some critical financial thinking there we appreciate that yes exactly okay. and, and one more here for oh, Brian sure. texts it in and says seventy million dollars a year you would not see me again <laughs> that's Brian. Brian's just off the grid. Yeah. It's goodbye, Brian. That's it. That's all he says. <laughs> he, he, he just, we wouldn't see him again. Would we hear from you, Brian? Would you still listen well, maybe, to Inside yeah. Sports? <laughs> he he <laughs> said he wouldn't see him. He yeah, he, see him. he could still, yeah, he could be in seclusion and still listen to the show and interact with the show. That's, right. that's <laughs> all right. Those were funny, guys. Appreciate it. Kind of a uh, weird one in the NFL yesterday. Chiefs made a great play, and it was uh, negated. We'll get some perspective from a pro receiver for your Edmonton Elks when we get back. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Here they come again. There's a flag down at the line of scrimmage. Is the pass is to an open Travis Kelsey, who flings it back over to Tony. My goodness, this is going for a touchdown. This is a, this is not a designed play. Kelsey's looks around as if he's a quarterback and he does this and I can't believe it I think it's coming back number 19 offense lined up in the neutral zone wow five yard penalty yeah, that's a uh, last minute there. The Chiefs and Bills yesterday. Travis Kelsey, the long reception, the lateral to Kadarius Tony, who scores, but then the play's negated because Tony lined up offside, so the Bills won the game. Mahomes was upset after uh, Andy Reid still talking about the call today. Uh, so let's get the perspective from a guy who plays receiver in pro football from Edmonton Elks. We welcome back to the show Gavin Cobb. Gavin, it's Reid. How are you doing? Doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me. Thanks for hopping on again. Uh, it's a pleasure to, to talk to you here. I, I'm just going to dive right in here. Now, I, I know that there are of, of, there are some different rules, mostly regarding motion to the CFL and the NFL, but if you're the stationary receiver on the end of the line, you got to line up onside. Correct. So 
Do you think that's a ticky-tack call, or, or is that something that has to be enforced the way it was? Well, I mean, no matter how ticky-tack it is, Reed, it, it's, it's the rules, you know? Uh, like, that was, that was a great play that we witnessed, and yes, it may, it may, it may be ticky-tack, but it is the rules. You know, if you're lined up offside, it would be a mistake for the referee not to throw the flag, in my opinion. All right, so what should a receiver do if he's the guy uh, on the end of the line? And we should point out, as much as we talk about motion in the CFL, the outside guys, are in, even in the CFL, are kind of stationary, right? Yes, correct. Um, I mean, there, there are certain processes we, as receivers, follow pre-snap, and one of those includes getting to the line of scrimmage and checking with the with the line judge to make sure that we are in fact onside and or to make sure we're on the ball because if we're not on the ball that's an illegal formation as well so it 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 appeared that tony didn't check with the with the ref so unfortunately he didn't get the opportunity to be told to back up so if so if a guy's lined up and looks at the ref the ref will actually give him a little signal step back and then everything will be fine i assume that's even happened to you yeah, he'll 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 tell you either to back up or take a step forward, wherever wherever you need to be to to align yourself correctly. But, I mean, the referees aren't out there to ruin the game, you know. We're and but we're we're all human. We all make mistakes, and it's one of those things where if 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 Tony could have looked outside and got the okay, then we probably wouldn't have had the flag. But on the other hand, man, it's a game of football, and that's the rules. Well, and I've been talking about this with some colleagues today, and I mean, football is a very technical game. Of all the sports that I like to watch, I don't know if there's one that has so many rules about formations and you can hit a guy here but not here. I mean, that's football, right? Mm-hmm. So you got you to be aware of all that. Yeah, you know, it just does take a, a high a high level of awareness, and it it's unfortunate to wipe a great play off the board like that, but, you know... It is the rules, and, and that's the way it goes. All right, so when you see that play, and I don't know if you watched it live or watched the highlights. Yep, I watched it both, yep. You, okay, so <laughs> just first of all, for Kelsey to pull off that lateral, how... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Risky is that? I mean, it worked, obviously, and the guy was open, but it's not as if players are... You rarely, if ever, see that. Well, I, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't think it's as risky as as uh, the viewer might portray it to be, because you got to remember these guys are are great at what they do. They're they're the best at what they do, and I think the game for Travis Kelsey moves very slow, meaning he has more time to think about what he's going to do than the average person might think. And I think he made a very calculated decision to look around, and he found his player. And he and he threw it back to him, and I thought it was a perfectly calculated play. And yes, it seemed risky, but man, great players do great things in, in big moments, right? So, well, yeah, that's an interesting way. Sorry, that, that that's an interesting way to look at it because if Kelsey gets tackled, and, and there's no penalty, it's mm-hmm. they they would have tied the game for sure because they would have been in field goal range. But he just went for it all, and you think good for him, eh? Yeah, I think good for him. I mean, if it and if it had not worked out the way it did. 
then we we might be having a different conversation. But you know, I think for for a, for a great player like Travis Kelsey to make a great play like that, I think it was calculated because I don't think I don't think anybody who didn't think they could pull it off he would try it. What did you think? And and. You're you're uh, you've been on the sidelines. There's probably a bunch of stuff that happens that fans and media never even perceive. Uh, and I know Mahomes is one of the all-time greats here. What did you think of the extent of the anger that he displayed on the sideline at the end of the game? Well, you know, fo- football is an emotional game, and, and emotions run very high on the football field, and uh, and 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 it's played by a lot a, a bunch of passionate men, and he. Maybe he he overstepped a little bit, but I can't fault the man for for showing how much he cares about winning this football game and you know showing his emotions and kind of letting you know his teammates see it. And maybe it was a little extreme, but his teammates know that he cares about all the work that everybody puts into win football games. And and you know football is an emotional game. And maybe if we look back at it, yeah, okay, he doesn't need to be cussing out the ref you know, cussing everybody out. But, he, you know, emotions run high, and it was, it was a big game, you know. It was a pivotal game in the, in the season for the Chiefs. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to fault the guy. But, you know, hindsight being 2020, we, we, as professional athletes, we have to keep our cool because cameras are on us at all times. Well, I thought that the Chiefs got jobbed way more last week when the pass interference wasn't called on Valdez yes. Scanling at, at the end of the game. Like, he was being tackled before he even had a chance to catch the ball, I thought. Yeah, that was very clear too, and I think I think that's kind of what the frustrations kind of boiled over from. You know, you know, you saw how Pat Mahomes in his interview said, you know, it's a shame we're having two weeks in a row where we're talking about the officiating at the end of the game. You know, I think I think he just it's just frustrated, and it came out in a bad way. Okay, Gavin Cobb, receiver for the Elks, joining us tonight on Inside Sports. How's your off season been? Uh, what have you been up to? Where have you been? Oh, it's been fantastic. I, uh, I'm back home in Victoria now. Um, just, you know, doing the things we got to do, get in the weight room, being on the field, making sure I'm, I'm ready to play football when we get back in May. Uh, how do you sort of process this season? It, like, you went nine games without a win. You, you changed the offensive coordinator, uh, and then you went four and five with Trey Ford at the helm in the second half of the season. How do you sort of process everything that went down? Um, you know, a, a lot went, a lot happened this season for us, and uh, I think it we saw a lot of growth from, from, you know, week one to week 21. There's a lot of growth from the team. And I think it's, it's just built excitement to come back next year, and, and we're going to get the ship pointed in the right direction. A lot of talk about Trey. Uh, I, I know it's not all about the quarterback, but he that's the position, right? Sometimes you get too much blame or too much credit, depending on what happens. But well, what do you right. see as the ceiling here for Trey? Like, what's the next steps for him? Trey has no ceiling, I don't think. The... the you know the sky's limitless for him. He's he's a phenomenal football player, phenomenal athlete, and he's a great quarterback. I think uh, you know he's going to be putting the work in this offseason to improve on what he he feels like he needs to improve on. And he, I think he's going to come back, uh, you know, a, a even better football player than he was last year. All right. Uh, did you watch the Grey Cup? And what did you think? Man, that was a great game. I did not expect Montreal to come out and uh, and beat Winnipeg. But I will be honest, the the Montreal defense, man, they. They balled out that like that back in the back, where you know nine games a year they went crazy. So I'm honestly I'm not surprised. Well, it, that game you guys played against them at Commonwealth, uh, that might have been your f- best 25 minutes of the season. 
on offense yeah, to start the game, and then they didn't give you anything after that. Yeah, I mean, and that, but that just goes to show when you play a good football team, they make adjustments and, uh, and, and shut things down if you don't adjust to their adjustments. Gavin, I love having you on the show. Thanks for taking time here uh, while, while you're back home in Victoria. Really enjoyed your perspective on that play with the Chiefs. And, of course, we'll be talking to you down the road. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me, and I'd love to join you anytime. That is Gavin Cobb from your Edmonton Elks. Uh, yeah, I, a lot of the stuff I've seen today is, uh, it seems that I've seen anyway, saying, hey, the guy, he was offside. you got to line up properly. That's that's football. I know the, the Chiefs wish it would have gone differently or he would have got a warning or been told to back up, but as Gavin said, it's, it's on that receiver to kind of check with the ref, point to the ref, say, hey, I'm the end guy. Okay, you want me to step back or even sometimes step forward to line up properly, uh, but that didn't happen, and it it unfortunately did cost the Chiefs uh, an epic play. It'll probably still be replayed a lot. Maybe it'll now be on the bloopers or the misplays as opposed to the plays of the week. Uh, anyway, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Flames and Avalanche scoreless nine minutes into the game. The Islanders beat the Leafs in overtime, though Tavares uh, does get. To career point number 1,000, he assisted on the Leafs' tying goal with seven seconds left in the game, but the Islanders win it 4-3 in overtime. Sabres beat the Coyotes 5-2, and the Stars lead the Red Wings 4-2. That is after two. The football games tonight, well, now they're both 10-7 for the visiting team. Green Bay leading the Giants 10-7, Tennessee leading Miami 10-7. Both games are at the half. Okay, tomorrow, Oilers now is at 5. The face-off show is at 6.30. The game is at 8. Bedard in town with Chicago to face your Edmonton Oilers, who have won seven in a row. Big thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening.